Have you ever felt like the work you were supposed to love is instead sucking your soul and you aren't making the impact you always dreamed of making? If so, you aren't alone. From broke and underemployed to six figures plus, powered only by daydreams and grit, I realized I was burning out and my values of freedom, purpose, and making an impact were taking the backseat to my wallet. I realized that I needed to build my own field guide to awesome from the inside out. So I gave it all up and I traveled the world to rediscover what was most important to me and create a business that filled my pockets, filled my soul, and allowed me to multiply my impact. But the question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our community of experts and share the secrets of success from the inside out. My name is Trina Serechia, and this is the Field Guide to Awesome. Welcome back to the Field Guide to Awesome, folks. In last week's episode, I shared an excerpt of the Allies for Racial Justice Summit 2020 interview I did with Alyssa Hall about spiritual bypassing regarding race in the coaching industry. Alyssa Hall is an African-American Cuban woman, single mom to a four-year-old, and a life coach. Although originally a coach for moms, she has shifted her focus during the resurgence of the Black Lives Matters movement to help non-Black women become actively anti-racist. It was a powerful episode, so if you missed it, make sure to go back and check it out. But don't go yet, folks. My next guest is the mind shark, Joe Cursillo. Cursillo is the author of Getting to Us, which has quickly become a top-selling book with thousands of business leaders incorporating the information and using it to help their businesses grow and achieve goals. The advice that he shares in the book focuses on the importance of using a unifying vision to get into the heads of your employees, customers, and your entire network. Cursillo spent a career as a trial lawyer and as a performing mentalist. He earned the nickname The Mind Shark as he balanced his careers. He has spent his life being a trial lawyer and a student of persuasion, studying how people behave and how they are motivated. Along with being a popular author, he is also a popular TED Talk called The Mobilizing Power of a Unified Vision. Cursillo is a celebrated author of several books, including Getting to Us, What's Your Freaking Point, Maximize the Impact of Every Word You Speak, and Don't Be a Hamster, 30 Tips to Spark the Imagination of Busy People. He has both spoken to and entertained many big companies, including the San Francisco Giants, the Philadelphia Phillies, Merrill Lynch, Mohegan Sun, Remax, Amway, and Hershey Park. Joe and I had a wonderful long conversation, so long in fact that I broke it up into three episodes. This is the third episode. I'm thrilled to share our conversations with you. Let's welcome the mind shark, Joe Cursillo. You had a recent article that came out about unifying visions. Yep. And how they, how entrepreneurs can act with less fear and hesitation. We just had a whole conversation about fear. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to hear more about that and how it really applies to entrepreneurs. Sure. Um, well, let's, when you say fear, let, let's back up for a moment because fear, overcoming fear, we've talked about. Yeah. And I know I threw out there, you've got to remember why you're doing what you're doing. Well, why you're doing what you're doing. And I threw out the word unifying vision and unifying vision is something I wrote about in my book, getting to us. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I believe is the ultimate weapon for success 
is to create a unifying vision. Now, let me say this. A unifying vision is, is what I call the cure-all form. A unifying vision is definitely not a mission statement. Um, so some people say, oh, I have a vision. Everybody in my company knows this. My company knows that. Okay. Um, a unifying vision is a little different. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. Okay. Um, a mission statement sets forth what your company values are. It sets forth what it is that you want to do or, um, what your impact you want to make to stand for let's call it what, yeah. what are we going to stand for why are we doing what we're doing the unifying vision and and by the way just to give you an idea i'm trying to make this clear for people let's say a mission statement it might be your corporate commitment your strategic competency your focus it's your market that you need to serve the product or services um what your identity is in the market. Mm -hmm. It is a statement that all the employees go, oh yeah, this, we are producing golden widgets with platinum handles. That's what we do and blah, blah, blah. Well, a unifying vision is why are you doing it? What is the purpose of why you are doing it? It's not just a mission to make the best. It's why do you want to make the best? And it's driven by um, purpose. It's driven by uh, emotion to some degree, whereas a mission statement is driven by action, steps, and achievements. So understand there's two different things. And what I look for when I work with people is I want a unifying vision. I want one big vision one purpose to which everyone that you work with can subscribe so that they can find their noble purpose in your vision. Well, let's say for a minute, Joe, give me an example. Okay, I will. No, um, <laughs> but you know, when Apple started off, it was what I call the vertical they wanted to be, create the best in, um, you know, in, in computers, in, per, in personal computers, going straight up. They wanted to have the best. Um, they weren't out making all kinds of collateral things. Um, they just aimed straight ahead. We're going to be the best. You buy a computer from us, it's the best. Uh, we make the computer, we make the software, the whole thing goes together. Um, whereas, you know, for instance, Microsoft was basically about build, creating the software that drove the computers and everybody else built, well, no, Apple said, we're going to do a package and it's going to be the best that there is. Well, if you look at what they accomplish, a Apple user is a dedicated freak to Apple. Yeah. Because th th they bought into the culture of what Apple created. Um, I mean, I myself for years was PC in my law firm. And now everything I do is Apple based. Why? Because I know there's inherent consistency 
in what they're producing and I know it's going to work because they kept targeting upward. So I bought into their purpose, which was they wanted to be the most innovative and creative um, computer company. Well, then there's also Amazon, which Amazon, they wanted to be the best in customer service, but they did it by spreading out into every field and introducing high-end, powerful customer service to every field. People bought into that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all look at it and we said, this is where we're at because we want this powerful customer service. You know, and let's take it for a moment to understand how people buy into a vision. Okay. And um, you may be, somebody may be listening to this in a couple of years. They find it on the internet. They're listening. But today um, we are sitting here in the spring of 2020. And the word or phrase social distancing Mm. meant nothing to us a couple months ago. Um, it wasn't something we talked about. <clears throat> Having instructions hanging everywhere to teach us how to wash our hands <laughs> is not something we planned on. But what happened is in the beginning, when this first started to come, everybody saw this pandemic and our vocabulary and our actions changed because the noble purpose was to beat the pandemic. And I I won't go into a whole lecture, I'll just get off tangent, but I'll come back quick. But initially, everybody bought into the whole concept of flatten the curve. And everybody worried about washing their hands, making sure they did social distancing, following the rules. (coughs) The goal was to flatten the curve. All of a sudden, the goalposts moved, and a lot of governors and uh, government agencies and all started talking about finding a cure. Whoa, mm. whoa, whoa, that's not what we were doing. We were just trying to beat this disease. You know, the, the cure's out of our control. Yeah. Flattening the curve, I could do. That's my noble purpose. I can flatten the curve, but I can't find the cure. That's somebody else's job. So I couldn't buy into that. So that's, again, when you see people rebelling against shutdown orders because we have no control. So what can you give someone in your vision that that can change their vocabulary and give them something to grab onto to make a difference tomorrow? And that's where we talked a few moments ago. People are not going to buy into a small vision because it's too easy. But a global vision of flattening the curve, people are going to buy into that. You know, because we can achieve it, we can accomplish it. And once somebody does that, that vision becomes the driving force that allows them to balance and say, I'm going to overcome fear because I need to do this. Um, I need to be able to accomplish this because I can change the world. And by the way, I also tell everybody that transcends generations. Baby boomers, yeah. millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, I don't care who you are. It's going to change because as long as you have something to achieve, it doesn't matter what age you are. Um, and, and that's the power of a unifying vision. And that in and of itself, if you get everybody to buy into that vision, if you can bring everybody onto your team, 
they are going to move forward in your direction. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, give people a direction and inspiring goal that they can actually do something <coughs> about, that they can actually take action on, that they can make a difference in. Absolutely. You know, um, people will choose, people will choose the right thing if they know how they can achieve it and benefit from it. Um, people want to feel a sense of contribution. They want to feel like they belong and they want to feel like they're trusted and empowered. And a unifying vision is going to give them that. And those factors all piled up on top, it'll overcome any fear. It'll overcome adversity. It's just the way it's got to go. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, to give people a chance to overcome feeling at the effect of the world and feeling that they can create an effect of their own. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's what we want. You know, everybody wants to be a hero. Let's give them a chance to be a hero. That's what the world's all about as far as I'm concerned. Um, and yeah. And being a hero is possible, even if it's in your, only in your own life, in your own experience. Yeah. Hey, I look at it this way. Um, if you told me, you know, back in January even, that I would celebrate the arrival of the Amazon pantry delivery. <laughs> uh, when that woman gets off her truck and puts that box next to my garage, she might as well be wearing a cape with a fan blowing on her. Because it's like, oh man, you know, and it's not that I am, because of what I do, I'm not quarantined. I'm, I'm constantly in meetings, I'm on the road, but I don't have time to go crowd into stores and shop because I'm taking enough risk in my work. Right. And my wife and daughter are working remotely and, you know, it's just funny, but it'll be like, oh God, Amazon pantry's here. Thank God. You know, but yeah. that woman gets out of her truck and I'm, she, she looks at me and I'm like, never so happy to see her because groceries have arrived. <laughs> I've never had grocery delivery. However, my mother, when she was still alive, when she discovered grocery delivery, yeah. she said it was like the best thing that she did not have to go to the grocery store and that they brought everything to her door. They even like took it out of the bags for her and put it oh. in the refrigerator. Oh, that, yeah, no, well, they're not doing that with right now, but no. Yeah. No, not right now. This was now before COVID hit. But it's funny because, I mean, that's uh, who would have thought that the drivers from Peapod or Instacart or whatever would be the heroes? I mean, mm. I, they are because when they show up, it's like, oh, my God, thank God they're here. Yeah. Um, you know, and now we're, we're getting out a little bit more, obviously, for most of us. Um, but, you know, uh, they may not be celebrated heroes for long, so they should take it in now and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, over the past few months, we've really come to recognize the hidden heroes, the people who are still working, who they aren't thought of normally as essential, but who really are. Well, we've also, aside from that, and I agree with that 100%, but we've also found out what businesses had in place 
a plan to get them through this. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing to me because I know a lot of friends of mine are struggling and a lot of businesses are having a hard time, but some of my clients, uh, they had a plan in place because you don't plan for a pandemic, but the plan is, can you survive anything? Yeah. You know, and the answer is, can your business survive anything? And I, I think certain mindsets have survived this better than others because they had at least someone innovative or creative at the helm that said, yeah, this is going to work. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I consult with local government and uh, I, I tell people, look, I, I'm not this super genius, but I see things down the road because I, I, I we talked about intuition or whatever. Um, you know, you're going to laugh at me, but I mean, sitting in the closet door behind me is a giant box of one ounce bottles of mind shark hand sanitizer because I stocked up on it because I know I'm going to go back out on the road again and I might as well have it with me to hand out. And people uh, will love it. Yeah. At the same time, um, our, I consult with the local government and we have been taking the temperature of people coming in and out of our buildings since February because of the game. we found out, you know, that, that we looked ahead and found out they were doing it in certain places and it seemed to make a difference. Did we know it was going to be a really good answer? No, but it gave us a chance to try something to get ahead of the curve and it's worked. Yeah. Um, no. I, in a previous conversation offline, you had mentioned where it sounded like you were had your thumb on the pulse of kind of what was going on and you didn't know exactly what it was, but you knew that the uh, there was a big change coming. Um, I knew something. What I say, I tell everybody, I knew something was coming that was going to have a impact, but I didn't know what kind of impact. And what I mean by that is, from what I was reading and seeing um, and looking at over in Asia, um, for fear of saying China, you know, but what was happening in Wuhan, there was no way that that was going to stay contained. Yeah. We didn't know, I didn't know how big it was going to be, but in the discussions with my team, we knew something was going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I started consulting with the government on it early on. Um, yeah, I, I even hired a publicist and said, you know, one of the biggest unifying vision the world's ever seen is coming. I want to get ahead of it. Yeah. Um, and I got some press out there and I started moving on it because what I knew was that something scary was about to happen. Um, really, back then, we didn't know what it was. Mm. So it was just a... Uh, okay, it's a virus. Uh, what do you do with a virus? You know, and by the way, I, people that know me know this. I don't even pay attention to news. I, I, I don't care about most news reports. Um, I started downloading everything that was coming from the CDC. Yeah. I was downloading everything from who, um, because I want to see what's out there and not what's reported. 
um, I wanted to know what was out there. So our, our people were just monitoring all that. And I'm not saying we predicted something because it was, it was already starting. We just saw it happening around us. Um, and I think the hard thing was a lot of people couldn't make plans because people didn't want to take a chance. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, we had options. That's all we could look at. Um, and the more lives like, and I say, this is the problem, you know, for me, yeah, my family, I bought masks and gloves. I put them in a closet. I went something, if it doesn't come, I'll throw them away. But when it got, then when I move up to my clients, depending on the size of the company, the decisions became tougher and longer because you can't make a quick decision if it's going to affect a thousand lives, but you can make a quick one if it's going to affect three, because you can reverse it. Yeah. So, you know, but that was the process of going through, which by the way, is the process for innovating in your company as well, you know, preparing for everything. So, sorry, I went tangent on you, but yeah. No, but it's important, you know, and I think it ties in with how you were talking about fear earlier, because fear can hold you back. Um, but when you find that way to, to break through the fear because the mission is greater than the fear of it. Right. You start to see opportunities. Absolutely. And that's kind of the analogy that I've been seeing in your stories is right. that, you know, yes, you're, it's something big. It's something scary. It could affect your life. You know, the ground comes up quickly. You know, the fall isn't the scary thing. The hard landing is. Mm -hmm. And when you get past that fear and focus on one step in front of the other on that girder, yeah, then you're able to reach the other end of the girder. You're able to get down safely because you're focused on the opportunities that are directly in front of you and not on the catastrophe that is potentially possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm inspecting that bolt. I'm now going to inspect that bolt. It's not, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this one, that one, this one. No, I'm doing that one. Yeah. I've done that one. I'll get, I'll figure out which one's next because you didn't want to have your mind distracted. Um, yeah. you know, and fear, I know for myself, um, for me, money can be a big fear. And so when you focus on the fear of money, you can't see any opportunity that will take you in the way of plenty, abundance, because you're focusing on the lack. You're focusing on the thing that you don't want. Right. You know, and you have judgments all around that. And when you break through those judgments and you look away from the fear, you see the opportunities that are right there. Absolutely. right there in front of you and they're always there those opportunities are always there no absolutely they are um and the problem is we get you know i i i'm using a phrase that i you always hear confirmation bias mm. if you're convinced you're going to fail you're going to see everything that proves you're going to fail yeah so you you just confirm your fears if you just take a look at what it is you're going to do and you got to keep an open mind on it and say, this is what I got to do. You're not going to see that because, you know, and my mentor in the speaking business, um, I call him my mentor, but he was my best friend. 
um, my mentor only because I learned from him, not knowing I wanted to be a speaker, but as a man, Charlie Tremendous Jones, who was a legend in his day. And um, Charlie always yelled at me and said, the fears that you imagine are the worst fears because you imagine they're the worst. Yeah. And, you know, if I can imagine a really big dream, I can imagine a really big way. I'm not going to get it. Yeah. So it's a choice. It's a choice. And that's what it is. So, but, um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where we are. There we go. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. The conversation, I, I know that we could talk for hours and we have in the past. Yeah. Okay. And I hope to have you back again. Anytime. Um, Joe, where can people learn more about you? Okay. Yeah. Um, if you go to the themindshark.com, T-H-E-M-I-N-D-S-H-A-R-K.com, um, it'll lead you right to my website. Um, for 2020, you can also go to my website via the virtualseminar.com. Um, that's my, I call that my, it's a back way into my website, but it's all of a sudden become important. So it's becoming a website name on its own right now. Um, and, uh, just jump on the internet, find me. Um, I, I don't think once you're there, you'll never have a problem being able to contact me. It's options abound. So, <laughs> and my books are all available. Uh, if you go there, you'll find a page on my books, but all my books are available on Amazon. So Joe Cursillo, C-U-R-C-I-L-L-O, um, you search me and you'll find them. And listeners, all of those details will be in the show notes. Cool. Cool. Thank you, Trina. That's good. Joe, it's been a pleasure. It's been awesome. Thank you. And take care of yourself and stay safe out there. I will. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. In my next episode, I talk with Christy Murray. Christy is a mom of two active boys, a wife 24-7, and a nurse practitioner by day. She is immersed in the joys of reality and the struggles of being a working mom and wife. She's also the hormone wellness and nutrition strategist of BlueVailWellness.com. She helps overwhelmed women to address adrenal, gut, and hormone issues so they can become healthy and thriving again. It's a powerful episode, folks, so stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Hey, thanks for listening. I truly hope you got something out of this episode that you can immediately implement in your life or business. If so, one of the easiest ways you can help me and multiply your impact is to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and help me reach other heart-centered and socially conscious entrepreneurs like you. As a special thank you, when you leave your rating and review, you'll win a 15-minute free consultation meeting with me to talk specifically about your business. Just send me an email with an image or a screenshot of your rating and we'll schedule the time. Thanks again and be awesome.